everybody, and welcome back to Season 2 of First and Ten. My name is Adam, alongside my co-host. What's up, guys? Mitch here. And we are more than excited to be with you guys throughout the 2021 NFL season. Be sure to tune in twice a week to listen to Mitch and I discuss and debate what is going on in the National Football League. In today's opener, we will be discussing how every AFC team's offseason went and who we think are the winners and losers of the offseason in the conference. Let's get right into it, Mitch, starting with the AFC East and the New England Patriots. Well, right off the bat, I feel like you can't call them losers just because of the sheer amount of additions that they made. Rebuilding the offensive line a little bit, losing Tooney Hurts, but they got good value for him. And then they added, obviously, Trent Brown and a pair of dynamic tight ends in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Uh, I think that this was a really, really, really solid offseason and very uncharacteristic of uh, Bill Belichick. But my question to you is, what do you think of the wide receiver signings? Um, well, aside from the wide receiver signings, I don't think Agle or, or Bourne are the real difference makers for this roster. I mean, yes, they're two solid receivers, but I don't think they're going to be the reason the Dolphins succeed this or the Patriots succeed this season. Um, in my opinion, personally, this reminded me a lot of the Dolphins offseason last year, and we saw how that worked out for the Dolphins. While their team did improve a lot, their issues at quarterback are, I'd say, what held them back from being a playoff team which I can see repeated this year with the Patriots. I mean, they drafted Mac Jones, re-signed Cam Newton. Um, we all saw Cam Newton last year. I don't expect much more out of him this year. Mac Jones is a very young rookie who was basically handed everything to him at Alabama with the receiving corn, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. I mean, when you have those four receivers on your roster along with the best coach in college football, you're going to succeed. So – I am not too sold on whether Mac Jones will be it this year, and I am also not sold on any of the Dolphins signings or uh, the Patriots signing. My apologies for getting them mixed up. It's just the resemblances of the past two seasons. Um, but once again, as you said, they have to be a winner. But it's I don't see the winning them winning this offseason making them that much more of a contender. Okay, okay, that's fair. I agree with the point about the quarterback. Um, I think Cam will be better. I definitely think COVID hurt him last year, but he's not the same player he was uh, a few years ago. I've heard a lot of talk about this Patriots defense returning to its top three form. I don't buy the hype. I just don't think that they have enough of a pass rush. Obviously, we know the secondary is good. Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, they added Jalen Mills. But I just really don't see how Kyle Van Noy round two and Matt Judon are going to bring this defense back into top three form. I think it'll be good. Don't get me wrong. They also get Dante Hightower back, but it's not going to be what it was. I mean, yes, yes. it'll be in the top half of the league, but I don't I, I could see potentially a top 10, but I don't see anything higher than that in a top five or top three defense. The, the Patriots are a solid football team and do have the coaching. But I just don't think the talent's going to be there for them this year when they need those big plays from their offense. I mean, once again, it is a complete new offense. You have a camera turning. You have Damian Harris being the lead back now. But from a receiving standpoint, you have two new tight ends, two new receivers. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what New England hands us this year. But Especially um, with Raquan McMillan tearing his ACL today and – essentially missing the entire season. So that's another blow to this defense. So it'll be interesting for sure. And onto the team I 
mistaken for the last team, the Miami Dolphins. This our, offseason, our punching bags, as I like to call it. This offseason, I would say, was just mediocre, mediocrity. I wouldn't give it an A+. Plus. I wouldn't give it an F. It's somewhere around a C. I mean, they lost Ryan Fitzpatrick, who felt like was just holding the team together last season week by week. And along with that, they lost Shaq Lawson, Davin Gotchalks, or however you pronounce that. Not good with that name. <laughs> uh, they lost Kyle Van Noy, who didn't make much noise for them, and it was a uh, big cap hit, so I understand that. But I think another issue for them is that I don't think Miles Gaskins Gaskin is a running back one in the NFL, and he's the running back one on the Dolphins right now. Um, I actually disagree with that. I agree with a lot of your points. I think Miles Gaskin has the potential to be a decent running back. He's never going to be insane. He's not a he's not an outstanding workhorse third down back. But especially against the Raiders game, his talents in the passing game were highlighted, and I think defenses will have to make adjustments for him because he is shifty. He's smaller. He's incredibly fast, and he has nice hands. So I agree with your point about how them missing. Um, Running backs like Javante Williams in the second round that the Broncos ended up taking, which I know you're smug about, but I don't think they're going to be screwed. I don't like the guys behind Gaskin, but Gaskin himself. I, I, I just I don't believe Gaskin can do it himself. I mean, last year we saw this: the Dolphins have the worst run he game get, in the league, and I, injured, yeah. I don't I don't see it getting any better in my opinion. Fair enough. Um, aside from that, I really like the Will Fuller pickup. I really like them drafting Jalen Waddle. Um. But I, I, I don't think two is the answer in Miami. That's my issue with them. I'm sorry. That's a preseason prediction right there. All, all, all two is slander aside, I just – I don't think he can get the job done. That's my opinion. And maybe they'll open up the playbook for him, but I will stand by being a two hater until I see him show me otherwise. I think that we both forgot that Malcolm Brown signed with the Dolphins, so they actually do have a – at least yeah, but even Malcolm Brown, I, I, I still don't think – when I hear your team's top two running backs are Miles Gaskins and Malcolm Brown, I think you're the 32nd best running back duo in the NFL. Okay. Well, interesting take. What do you think I of Javon James Holland? Robinson and Travis Etienne any day over that. I don't disagree. I don't – you know, I didn't <laughs> – you know, My counter to that argument was not the Jaguars. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you. The next thing we talk about might be in that argument with Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter there in you go. New York Jets. So there you go. We'll move on to them, where, as we just heard, two of their more important offseason signings or draftings were Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter, who will be the top two running backs for them. Um, I think the biggest headline by far for the Jets this offseason was. Third pick QB out, second pick QB in. Um, we saw the departure of Sam Darnold to Carolina. Um, I like the move. I do. But from a Jets fan, fan's perspective, you guys were banking on getting Trevor Lawrence a whole season. You had to settle for Zach Wilson. and Big mistake. In my opinion, I think after Trevor Lawrence, there's a big gray area on QB2 in this class because there can be an argument for, I'd say, the four QBs taken in the top 15 that not named Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. I think there's an argument for all four of them to be the second best QB in the class, which is why I, I – that's the only reason why I view this Jets offseason as more of a fail than a win. 
Okay, that's interesting. I actually read a report today that in the wide receiver room in training camp, second round uh, 2020 pick Denzel Mims is <clears throat> absolutely sucking. And Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Jameson Crowder are outperforming him by miles, which Corey Davis and Jameson Crowder, it's not surprising, but it seems like their draft pick, Elijah Moore, was a pretty good selection. He's turning heads. He's impressing people. And then I loved the Elijah Vera Tucker Exactly. I, I, I was actually, I was about to point on that. Their draft was very solid. Their draft was great. Their first two rounds, they've got four players who could come into immediate roles and make a big impact. Exactly. Um, Bolstering that offensive line, getting more help for the new quarterback, and also just getting the quarterback himself. See, I, I, I think it was interesting what you said, how you like the move. I like the move from Sam Darnold's perspective. I like the move from Carolina's perspective, and I understand the need to move Darnold, but I really, really don't think that Zach Wilson is going to come in to the Jets that are maybe slightly better. Maybe this team, sorry, maybe this team is slightly better than when it was when Sam Darnold left, but all of a sudden now throw for 30 touchdowns, all of a sudden have a positive TD interception ratio. I just don't see it in a rookie. Sam Darnold went nine tu- or had nine passing touchdowns and eleven interceptions, and that was his third year. I don't know. Yeah, yeah um, interesting. It's awesome for me. My draft rankings. I, I guess they didn't think Trey Lance was the best fit, but I thought my my, my draft rankings went T. Law, Trey Lance. Then I had Justin Fields and Zach Wilson in the same area. Then Mac Jones. I I again, we've never seen any of these players play in Zach Wilson and the three other picks in the first two rounds. So we, we don't know what to expect. In my opinion, though, I don't think they upgraded that much from last year enough to the point where I think they're going to be provided with weapons and players to like be even in like, not even saying a playoff team, but even get third place in this division for people to say, like, I think, the other three teams in the division by far are better than the Jets, and that's just the reality, and that's just the reality of being a Jets fan as well. <laughs> All right. On to Buffalo. We have not not a loud offseason, but they very quietly improved their roster with re-signing Matt Milano, replacing John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders, drafting Greg Russo at 30, which I think was a steal, along with getting the back of quarterback and Mitch Trubisky. No, exactly. The Bills... I think are far and away the most exciting team in this division. And like you said, they had a quiet off season, but they just had a massive, massive headline move in re-signing Josh Allen to a $43 million uh, per year extension, six years. Well-deserved, maybe a bit high, maybe not. I'm just surprised he got more than Dak, but that's, you know, with as the cap space increases, quarterbacks can make more and more and more. And uh, you mentioned the Emmanuel Sanders signing. I loved that move. I I don't know what it is, but they got him for such a steal. And 
John Brown was solid, but Emmanuel Sanders was a you know he was nearly a Super Bowl champion again with the 49ers. He made a huge impact on that team. Didn't too 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 much on the Saints, but that's because every DB that they faced zeroed in on him with uh, Michael Thomas missing practically the entire year. So they definitely had a very nice offseason. Yep, I agree. I think this team wins the division. I think this team could possibly win the Super Bowl. And my favorite under-the-radar signing on this roster, or I wouldn't even say under-the-radar because it, it probably it gets joked about a lot, but mit- having Mr. Trubisky as a backup QB is actually very solid for this team because if we see Josh Allen go down for two to three weeks, I think with the team – provided around him, Mitch Trubisky can pull out two or possibly three wins in that span. Their play styles are pretty similar. They're both bigger guys. They both know how to use their legs. I don't think the offense would skip a beat too, too much. Obviously, it would take a step back, but because the scheme could fit both their skill sets pretty nicely, like you said, that was a good signing. Um, you said that the Bills have Super Bowl... Uh, have a real Super Bowl chance. I think they're being slightly overrated going into the season because I did not like how that defense took a huge step back last year. We'll see if they can bounce back, but you know we can address that more in our predictions video coming up. All right, on to the AFC North. We'll start with the Cleveland Browns, who made a nice run in the playoffs last uh, year. Um, I think the Browns, if I had to rank all 32 teams, they'd be in the top eight, possibly top five teams with the best offseason. Um uh, my favorite signing by far was John Johnson. I'm not a huge fan of Clown because I actually don't think he does much, but he, he can hold. But adding Josh Johnson to that already like improving secondary um, was a great, great pl- play for them. Um, and I think they, they got my favorite play in the draft. Um, and it was in the late rounds – or not later rounds, but not first round. They got – Jock or Jeremiah Alaswu, not going to pronounce his last name. Horrible. But um, I think <laughs> yeah. he can come in right away. If, as long as his health conditions are fine, I think he can come in right away and make a huge impact on this defense that could really use that big step at linebacker this year. Um, no, and yeah. And speaking of linebackers, they also signed Anthony Walker from the Colts, who is quietly one of the more consistent run-stopping linebackers and that's something that the Browns like to do they like to play tough football you saw it with the Titans last year they stopped Derrick Henry held him to 60 yards and a fumble they like to stop the run and they got guys who can do it the biggest things were uh the most movement you I guess you could say was on the defensive line obviously losing your two starting D tackles and Ogan Joby and Richardson stinks and then losing uh longtime player Olivier Vernon who was previously on the Giants that hurts but they got Malik Jackson from the Eagles, who's a pretty solid player. He's the same caliber as Ogunjobi and Richardson, and he's paid a lot less. And obviously, Jadavion Clowney, who has an, an enormous upside, is he overrated? Probably, but it you know he still has the potential to be great. And for the deal we got him on, one year, ten million, I feel like that's worth the uh, the risk. And anyone across from probably the best edge rusher in football. He's going to do decent. So the only other thing I wanted to mention was extending Nick Chubb, who is a top five running back. I make the argument for higher than that in terms of pure rushing, but getting him for 12 million was a pretty solid deal. We were going to have to pay the man at some point, And I'm glad we avoid like the, the 16 to $19 million range that guys like Zeke and uh, Todd Gurley are making because I never like paying running backs, but I, we, this was necessary in three years. 36 million just seems like the right number for a guy like his talent with his talent. 
Um, yeah, um, y- you know me. I'm not a big fan of signing running backs to more than ten mil a year, so I I, I get it. But having I, I get the. I'm trying to find a way to say this without discrediting Chubb because I respect everything Nick Chubb do- ch- does. Just I'm a personal believer that running backs just don't last, and four years from now you might not want to be paying him 12 mil a year or 13 mil. Especially Agreed. having I, I wasn't ecstatic about it. I, I definitely wasn't jumping for joy that we gave him 12 and a half million or 12.2 million. But the Browns are a run first team, and that is pretty well noted with our other signings like uh, Kareem Hunt. So it makes sense to just pay him. It makes sense to, you know, if this is our identity and this is what we're going to do, we're going to play smash mouth football. I mean, at least be upfront about it. So that's where I'm kind of at right now. No, I get that. And that makes sense. But once again, I've said it once, I'll say it 30 times. I'm just, not the biggest fan of paying running backs, but I respect Nick Chubb enough where I can understand this move. Okay, moving on. On to the team that signed their future starting QP in the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I'd say this offseason was a pretty big out for them. Um, they lost Pouncey to retirement. They lost Villanueva uh, to uh, just free agency. Along with that, they lost Bud Dupree and Mike Hilton. I don't really think James Conner loss is that big. But no, it's not. They also lost those, David DeCastro. Those three losses at the offensive line and the two losses on defense already are going to take a huge – it's just going to be a huge blow for them. Uh, they re-signed Juju, which they they got him on a good deal. Um, but yeah, not much to say there. He's not you – know. Not much stood out for them. Um, I think they possibly signed a QB in Dwayne Haskins that could we could see start for them this year. Um, oh, God. Well, I mean, over – Mason Rudolph, perhaps when Big Ben inevitably goes down, sure, but he won't be. He will not beat out Big Ben for the starting job. Yeah. Um. But there's just not much to say about them. I'm not big fan of drafting running backs first round. They took Najee first round. Um. I just don't see the Steelers eclipsing nine wins this year. Um. I don't think they're going to be good. I think they're going to get two wins against the Bengals. But besides that, I think. I, I just don't think this team is good. I didn't think they were good last year, and we saw their flaws last year, and this year they just got worse. And that that that's just my opinion on the Steelers. I don't think they have it at quarterback. Their receiving core is just – it's a lot of question marks, like Juju, question mark. Then you have Najee, who we don't really know what to expect. I mean, of course, everybody expects him to be a Derrick Henry-type power back, but who knows? We can get into that in our predictions. Obviously, analyzing their offseason – like you said, losing Bud Dupree, another another move that makes sense, letting him walk because he did get paid in Tennessee and the Steelers just could not afford that, especially since they need to pay um, TJ Watt soon. So, you know, it sucks. That's a bad offseason, but you can't give Dupree, you know, $16.5 million a year. You just can't. So that's probably their biggest loss. The offensive line is scary, but you can't narrow that down on one, like, one single player. I guess you could say uh, Pouncey, but he was really, really old and making a lot of money. So, anyway, sucks for them. Moving on to the Bengals, who signed. Their big, I think, headline uh, move was signing Trey Hendrickson, who was coming off a very nice season with the Saints, where he had double-digit sacks. They paid him $15 million a year, and he's going to make 20 in 2021. 
Will this uh, will this be enough to offset the loss of Carlos Dunlap last year, as well as Geno Atkins? Who knows? I personally expect this guy to flop, but that's just my take. What do you think, Ed? Um, I think the Bengals' off season was just mediocre once again. Um, I don't think it was good. I don't think it was bad. Um. But they did see Atkins, Green, Lawson all out. They brought in I, – I think their most underrated signing was Shadobi Awuzi, and not just because of his name. Yeah. <laughs> but um, him, Mike Hilton, Trey Hendrickson should all make a big impact on the defense, which the Bengals need to improve this year if they have any Besides Desperate. their offensive line issues, their defense might have been the most atrocious thing in the NFL to watch last year because – Week after week, I'd watch offenses drive down the field and just score with ease on this Bengals defense. And Joe Burrow throwing for 450 yards and five touchdowns on, you know, 60 passing attempts or whatever wouldn't be enough. <laughs> uh, drafting Jamar Chase was good. I think the Bengals are trying to provide Joe Burrow with the weapons, but was Jamar Chase the weapon they needed over a guy like Penny Sewell? Penny Sewell's not the big name no, guy. It's an awful, awful, awful decision in my opinion. Um, I thought it was foolish. And we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's been all these rumors about Joe Burrow and the offense looking lackluster in training camp. So we're just going to have to wait and see how this offense clicks this year with Joe Burrow coming off probably one of the most gruesome injuries in the NFL last year. Besides Dak Prescott. Well, the other thing you need to notice is Riley Reef injured. Fred Johnson, injured. Deontay Smith, injured. All of these guys are either first or second team uh, offensive linemen. So we just talked about, or you, sorry, you just mentioned how the Bengals offenses look lackluster. It's just getting worse. They're getting dominated. So we were just speaking about how, whether Trey Hendrickson will be enough to, uh, to produce in the absence of Atkins and and um, Carlos Dunlap, he's definitely doing that on the Bengals practice squad offensive line, and Burrow is suffering because of it. Burrow's not playing well. The offense is not clicking. I saw a meme uh, prior to the draft that basically said that if uh, it didn't matter if they drafted Jamar Chase because if they had just anybody blocking him, there would be no touchdown because he would get crushed. And if they drafted Panay Sewell, and they had any bum receiver, they, there would be a touchdown because jo- Joe Burrow needs that time. And I think that we're seeing that in training camp, that that meme was correct. They are looking atrocious. Um, Yeah, 100%. Um, I didn't see that meme, but I think it's pretty funny. Now on to who I have as my favorites to win this division, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Not a loud offseason, not a quiet offseason. They lost two important defenders. I, I'd even say just one important defender in Matthew Judon. I don't think Yannick Ngakwe made the biggest difference for them last year. Yeah, he didn't. But adding Sammy Watkins, Kevin Zeitler, and Rashad Bateman, I, I think has potential to elevate this offense this year. Sammy Watkins, you know, he's not he, – he's no top 10 receiver, no top – not even top 20. But I think with Lamar and alongside Marquise Brown, I think he can make some noise this year um, and help the uh, Ravens' offense escalate. Also, Bateman – I had Bateman in my top five receivers in this class. I like him a lot better than Kadarius Toney by far. 
and I think he can be a difference maker for this uh, Baltimore offense. Along with that, I know this isn't a fantasy show, but for all you fantasy football players, a nice late-round sleeper pick with high upside is Rashad Bateman this year. I think I'm very high on him. And I know now Now I got to be careful because Mitch taking notes and going to steal Bateman from me in our draft this year. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Definitely not. I will never draft a Ravens receiver while they have Lamar Jackson at quarterback. In fact, unless it's Mark Andrews, just don't draft a Ravens player. Even Dobbins, if you get him late round, or if you get him late. What about Lamar Jackson? You wouldn't draft Lamar? It depends where he was. I don't know. I I don't trust that Ravens offense. Anyway, (laughs) this is not the fantasy show. (laughs) I don't think Ingram made a damn difference whatsoever. It was already the Dobbins and Gus Bus show. Ingram had a great, great, great 2019, but I mean he's washed, and now he goes to Houston, where we're gonna get to them, where all the old running backs go to die. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. Ingram, I didn't think made a difference as by the end of the season he was becoming a healthy scratch week by week. Moving on to the next division, and my least favorite division in the league, the AFC South. We have <laughs> brutal. The Tennessee Titans, who I see as one of the biggest winners this offseason, I think just alone getting Julio Jones and adding him to that offense is insanity, along with Bud Dupree, who I think was a top, not defender, but a top edge rusher slash linebacker in the league next year. I think he's a great replacement for Jadeveon Clowney. I think he'll actually do something for them, unlike Jadeveon, who is just on the field for fun. Um, For fun. (laughs) Losing Corey Davis is fine because – you replace Clowney with Bud Dupree, that's improvement. You replace Corey Davis with Julio Jones, that's insane improvement. Then you lose Desmond King, but you get Janoris Jenkins and Caleb Farley, who I think, maybe not Janoris, but I think Caleb Farley will be far superior to he Desmond has, King. He has upside that's higher, but you got to understand the, the nature of the injury that Caleb Farley just came off of. Yeah, but you also have to understand Desmond King has been relevant since 2017. So you mean since he was last a Bronco? He was never on the Broncos. Oh, no, never. He was charged. He was on the Chargers in 2018. I'm thinking of Chris Harris Jr. Um, but anyway, it, it, a herniated disc is not a small injury. But I think he ha- he has the potential to be one of the most talented uh, defensive backs taken in the first round. So we sh- we'll, we'll definitely see. Um, but, yeah, so I just think I think this, this offseason was a huge victory for the Tennessee Titans. And I think the only real issue is they, they, they lost Johnny Smith. But I think – Tight end is not that hard of a position to replace. Um, Damn. I think there'll be. George Kittle would be very upset if he just heard what you said. And Greg Olson. Well, that's okay for them, but. <laughs> On to the Tight next. Yeah, the Houston continues. Texans, who um, will just continue to be irrelevant this year, bottom two team in the league. Last year for us, it was the Jaguars and the Washington football team preseason. This year for us, it's going to be the Texans and the Lions. Yeah. Um. So the Texans went out and spent their money on two running backs and Phil Lindsay and Mark Ingram. Honestly, go along with David Johnson. I love the Phil Lindsay signing. I think he is a top one running back in the league after there his performance go. in Denver. There you go. Yep. Um, no, but aside from that, signing Desmond King and Shaq Lawson, um, two players on their defense that won't do much and will not change the game for them. The only player that actually could – not even going to say – like he's not going to perform well, but will actually make an impact to this team or make a difference is Tyrod Taylor most likely. And that's if Deshaun Watson does end up holding out. I Or gets found guilty of 23 counts of rape. But I think he'll yeah. be good with that. He's good. He, he's I, don't, good. I don't think he did it. I don't think he'll play this year, though. 
Um, yeah, we'll see. But um, his hearing is until February after the season's over, so I'm not sure how the league's going to handle that. But losing we'll Will Fuller isn't good for them. Losing you know JJ what, Watt. Yeah. You know, but we don't have to worry. They replaced Will Fuller with Chris Connolly, so all things are soft for the Texans. This organization is a disaster. Bill O'Brien drove drove it into the ground. Deshaun Watson will be on the Eagles by 2022, and the Texans will have the number one pick if they even have their draft pick this year. All right. Yeah, who knows? That, that, that was a lot. That was a lot. Take a deep breath, and let's move on to the Colts. Colts didn't do much, didn't uh, lose much. They lost Justin Houston Anthony Walker. They got Carson Wentz and Eric Fisher, but as we've all seen, Carson Wentz is most likely out for the first eight weeks of the season. Eric Fisher will be solid. The Colts' offensive line will be good, but it's more of – who do they have at quarterback now without Carson Wentz? Uh, as a lot of Texas fans like to say, they're now backup quarterback is Sammy Heisman. Um, and <laughs> out of Texas. I know a lot of Texas fans would be happy to see that, but this Colts team is – I don't know what to say. They have Eason, Rhett Hundley, Jacob Eason. Uh, they're going to have to do something. They're gonna have. To, I, mean, I expect them to try and find a new QB. Maybe they'll get Philip Rivers out of retirement. And they'll be the same as last year. But I think I, I really did think Carson Wentz was able to to get back to his old self and be able to be great on this team. Okay. All right. All right. Well, the the official timetable is five to twelve. So it is possible that he's there week two, but it's unlikely. But it's possible he's there week two. In which case, you know, their understanding of. Um, of what quarterbacks they need to pursue is really only reliant on him not being able to come back to full form. So they're just going to have to monitor his injury and then make accordings, uh, make accordances from there. Cause there's no point in buying Nick Foles or signing Nick Foles only to find, Oh, Carson Wentz is ready for, you know, for week three, there's no point in throwing 12 million, whatever the hell he would commend, maybe 15 million. Actually, what would you pay Nick Foles? If you were the Colts, a one year, what? Um, I honestly wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I don't think I'd even pay a quarterback. I think you just got to go with what you yeah. have, see what they can do. And once I'd wait till at least you get, cause the, by the start of the season, they'll also have a better understanding of the Carson Wentz situation. So I think only, only time will tell what this court or Colts organization can do. Exactly. Exactly. All right, all on. right. On to the team I think we could all agree had the most interesting offseason moves. Um, signing Urban Meyer as a head coach, I think will – I'm not even going to say will benefit them. I think it will be interesting to see how he does. Uh, T-Law, I mean, everybody's high on him. Most people will probably have him as their offensive rookie of the year. Um, I think that was a great pick, no-brainer. Travis Etienne, on the other hand, already with James Robinson and a lot of other good players on the board – and at twenty four, you're taking a running back. When you yeah, that was already that was one? besides the Raiders, that was which you could make an argument for. I think that was the worst first round pick. No, I think that's a no brainer. Um, they got Marvin Jones, Sean Jenkins, Shaq Griffin, and uh, I think what fans are most excited to to see this year from this team is Tim Tebow at tight end. Um, I think. He'll make the roster from what I've been hearing. Um, I think yeah, he's going to have to, even just for leadership presence, he's going to make the roster. He might not play a single minute. I mean, I think he will, but he might not. They're still going to have to play him, though. You yeah, know, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they utilize him in this roster with um, at the tight end position. Um, but uh, I, I don't really. 
I'm kind of at a loss of words for this Jaguars offseason. I'm like looking at what they've done. They didn't lose much. They got a good amount of stuff, but I just as I just said, I'm at a loss of words. I don't I don't really know what to think because there's so many question marks on this team that we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I think Shaquille Griffin could pay off. They did give him way too much money, but this team is going to be fun football to watch. They're not going to be competitive yet. I honestly, I don't know. With the core, even with that core, I don't know if they'll ever be able to contend unless they make some uh, much bigger signings. But at the end of the day, it's going to be fun football. So what else can you say? Uh-huh. And then that's all for the AFC South. Now we'll go to the last division we're talking about in this episode. And – the AFC West. We'll start with the Chiefs, who um, got rid of Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, which maybe wasn't the greatest idea, but they replaced them with Joe Thune, Kyle Long, and I think the team only got better in this offseason. Yeah, another thing that really was under the radar was they got back one of their starting guards, Laurent Duvarnay-Tardif, or Tardif, who was a... Uh... He jumped in the front lines and took the year off um, to battle COVID-19 so that he's coming back this offseason. So the offensive line just looks a lot better. Obviously, Joe Tooney and Orlando Brown being the two probably most talented players that they actually signed, Kyle Long coming out of retirement. I think that maybe this was a bit of an over overcorrection. Everyone saw Mahomes running for his life um, behind that awful offensive line in the Super Bowl, but... They really were pretty solid throughout the regular season, but I guess the only that was the only hole they had to fix. The defense is <clears throat> it's all right. They've got enough skill positions that it they do what they need to do, and then obviously they've got the skill players. But who knows? Maybe they over maybe they paid too much in their offensive line, and another need will arise, and all their money will be sunk there. That was just I don't know a bit of an unpopular opinion. Everyone knows their offensive line needed work, but just the fact that that was pretty much all they spent their money on was interesting to me to say that that's all. All right. Would you, would you like to start um, talking about the worst team in this division or would you like me to start with them? Sure. I'll start. Um, so the Broncos. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm sorry. We're, we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders who had to move out of Oakland to get more fans, but still don't have any fans. Okay, then you can start. All right, we'll start with uh, their signings in Yannick Ngakwe, John Brown, Kenyon Drake, Carl Joseph. Um, four mediocre signings. None of them will help them take the next step. And losing <laughs> Rodney Hudson, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Booker, and Trent Brown hurt them a lot more than what they gained. Along yeah. with that, in their key additions, if they could look at what we are looking at right now, the sheet we made, Mitch didn't even bother to put who the Raiders drafted because – that's just how terrible. Taking Alex Leatherwood at 18, <laughs> who I had in Ridiculous. my at 42. He didn't even make the cut for Mitch as an addition this offseason. Absolutely that, ridiculous. That man. just explains the Raiders drafting over the past five years. Um, along with that, the Raiders have a lot of QB uncertainty with Derek Carr maybe not being that guy that the Raiders were hoping he was five years ago. Um, at receiver, they really don't have – Many standout players. They have Henry Ruggs, who hopefully can improve from last year, as we did not see much from him. Nah, he will. He, he'll, he'll Along with that, they have Tyrell Williams. But aside from them two, the Raiders' receiving core just doesn't really catch the eye. Um, they do have Darren Waller, who I I'm not going to say. And I very much respect him, but Darren Waller can't do everything, as we saw last season. Darren Waller played the best season of his career. Maybe the best season of a Raiders tight end ever. 
but it just didn't matter. The Raiders were still atrocious. And I don't think this defense got any better either, which doesn't help them at all. Yeah, exactly. The, the Broncos – I'm sorry. <clears throat> when, when we're speaking on the uh, subject of the worst team in the division, the Broncos come to my mouth. That's my fault. The Raiders are most likely going to struggle, but I can't see them contending for a first-round draft pick just because they do have Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr is a solid quarterback. He's not going to ever get them in a position where they're eligible for a first uh, for the first overall pick. They'll still be competitive. They'll probably still – they might split with the Broncos. They might split with – uh, excuse me, with the Chargers, but this team is, I don't have faith in Raiders faithful. <laughs> All right, on to the best team in the division now. I'll start with the uh, Denver Broncos. Um, I'd say this offseason was a success for them. Um, coming from a Broncos fan, yes, I am biased, but the main issue was lack of depth in the secondary last year, aside from quarterback, okay? I don't want to call any quarterback <laughs> slander right now. I mean, I'm acting like quarterback is in a position right now. Beside, aside from Drew Locke's throwing woes last year, <laughs> um, the Broncos' biggest issue was their secondary because it just wasn't deep enough and players getting hurt week in week. So fixing the corner position, acquiring Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and drafting Sertain in the first round, along with extending Justin Simmons and re-signing Kareem Jackson to $5 million a year instead of $13 million a year, is going to be a big improvement. I think it can push this defense to be a top five defense in the league this season. Um, on the other hand, I don't like to talk about it, but our QB situation is still just a big question. One of the bottom three in the league. I think passing up on Justin Fields could come back to bite us if Teddy Bridgewater ultimately gets the start and plays the majority of the season. Um, Personally, as a Broncos fan, I'm pushing for Drew Locke to be our starter this season, but that just might not be realistic with the way he tends to play. Yeah. Um, no, I, I we're, we're going to talk about that more predictions. I'm not going to go into the uh, Broncos quarterback situation right now. Extending Simmons was smart. Signing Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, definitely very solid. They still had Callahan. Bit of an overkill, but they still drafted a solid corner in Pat Sertan. Definitely puts them in the top 10 uh, secondaries in the league. I think that they'll be competitive, but we'll get into that. They didn't really lose anybody of great importance. They uh, they drafted Javante Williams to complement Melvin. Yeah, a solid offseason. All right, on to the last team in the AFC. We have the Los Angeles Chargers. Another team that had to relocate just to have no fans in their stadium. Um, you know, I got to give it to them. They they did have a good draft in getting Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel. They also acquired Corey Lindsley, and they extended Derwin James. I think out of any team in this division, the Chargers did have the best offseason. But <laughs> I'm not going to go into Chargers slander right now. I'm just going to I'm going to let you talk because. I'm just going to hate on them. So I'll, I'll, we'll listen to what you think about it. God, the self-reflection from you is just – it's its very refreshing for a change. Corey Lindsley, great, great, great signing. Did what the Packers didn't have the balls to do. Drafted Rashawn Slater, great pick. Drafted Asante, Asante Samuel. Solid upside. Got him. He was – they got him the second round. So he was going to be a first-round pick. At least some mock drafts had him there. I personally thought he would have been. 
but maybe the Cowboys, maybe that was a bit of a stretch, but they got great value for both of their picks and they extended a top five safety in the league. And sign obviously Corey Lindsley, I said his name, but people don't understand just how good this guy was last year. So very, very solid off season. The chargers um, and the new head coach, Brandon Staley can stop throwing away games that they won in the first half and then choke like the Broncos game, the Buccaneers game, the saints game. If Mr. Michael Badgley wants to actually make some kicks for once, this team could is definitely a playoff contender. All right. I think we're going to end it there for this episode. Um, the next episode will be this same exact thing, just going through every NFC team one by one. So if you're a fan of a team, the NFC and we're waiting to see your team, that'll be next episode. Um, once again, once the season officially starts, in September, you guys will be getting two episodes a week. Before then, we're going to be trying to get one to two episodes a week. No guarantees, just because of the craziness in the summer and everything. But um, with that said, we hope you all enjoy this episode. Be sure to tune in and listen in the future. And with that, thank you for listening and have a great rest of the summer. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.